This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to LinkSoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, goal! Go Hayes! It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy and blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, I could tell you from the treehouse today... We have an absolute jam-packed show. We've got the Mark Kotze show, followed by, it used to be the Bob Melvin show. So we, I mean, we went back-to-back Bob Melvin and Mark Kotze today. Trevor May, who has been outstanding for David Force, is going to join us up here. And, of course, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics, David Force, leading us off here in the treehouse. How are you on a Friday, the last the last homestand of the year. Yeah, it's hard to believe we're already here in September. It's been a long year. But, uh, yeah, we've, uh, you know, nice 3-3 three and three road trip and uh, hopefully some more W's ahead in the last 16 games of the season. So here we go. You know, so many different people, you know, who are working around the team, this is it. But for the front office, it never stops, right? <laughs> so it's like everybody goes, oh, this is it. Goodbye, everybody. And you're like, well, you're right back on it. So it's never like you really ever stop. No, it's not. The hours change, but the, uh, but the work doesn't. So, yeah, we're already, you know, we're already c- sort of close to off-season mode, thinking about things that need to get done in October with personnel throughout the system and things like that. But, um, but yeah, it just, it just changes. It doesn't stop. I don't know if you know this, but Cody and I have been putting a list together, uh, and we, we're going to call you the day after the final game that Monday. We're already forming our spring training list and what we <laughs> expect and the competition we like to see. So we just want to run it by you uh, that Monday saying we're kind of ready to go. I was hoping you were going to call me that day and see where you, I wanted to play golf for the next <laughs> week. That's, that's what I was hoping for that Monday. But, yeah, I mean, hey, if, if there's something to get excited about in next spring, let's start on October 2nd. I want to start today with your coaches. Yeah. Because if you just – and you're going to hear this later, Mark Kotze, we brought up the defense, and he goes, man, we've turned more double plays, and I keep score every game. So it's something you notice when you're writing 5-4-3, sure. 6 You start to realize, wow, a lot more double plays, a lot more balls on the ground. Uh, pitching staff, just looking at purely ERA, 
your pitch, your starting pitchers, your overall staff, everything has gotten better. And we always applaud, and we should, the players are the ones who play. But one of the reasons why they're getting better, it's your coaching staff. We really need to say these guys have worked their tails off this year, countless hours, countless time. They're wearing all the losses too, but, boy, they have never wavered. Talk about your coaching staff, what they've done, and how they've helped the guys that are here get better. Yeah, there's no doubt, and and I think it's interesting that you you mentioned you know you've got Bob on the show. Bob is here because a lot of these guys came up through the system while Bob was managing. Mark inherited a really good staff, plus added some guys to it. But I, I think the defining characteristic of of this coaching staff and and a lot of the staffs we've had in Oakland is the work ethic and the the time that these guys put in behind the scenes. And and you talk about Scott Emerson, and no one prepares more for a game than Scott. And Eric Martins, who's out there at one o'clock with the infielders, and Mike Aldretti, who does a little bit of everything. He works with the outfielders. He's in the cage. Darren Bush came through our system as a lifelong minor league manager, and now has gotten here and has done the bullpen job and the bench job and the hitting job and the third base coaching job and these guys who who put in so much work and like you said you really can see the tangible results out on the field I mean look we were not a good defensive team for a lot of this season there's just there's no way to sugarcoat that Um, but you see the impact that Geloff has had since he came up to play second base you see the progress that Jordan Diaz has had at third base I mean this is a guy who you know, in the minor leagues at times, we weren't sure there was a defensive position for him in the big leagues. And it starts with a guy like Juan Neveretti in the minor leagues. And then they follow through with it at double A AA and triple A and work him and work him. And he gets here and Eric Martins gets a hold of him. And he's out there playing third base every day in the big leagues, like something we, we weren't sure was possible. So, yeah, I know these guys, they they don't look for the credit. Uh, they can see it on the field. I think they know, you know, what the results are, but they absolutely deserve a lot of credit because they are putting in more work than anybody else. You know, we see that in all of sports where you have a guy who's got talent, but you don't know what he's going to do with the rest. I mean, we see that in football. We see it in basketball. It's like yeah. this guy can shoot, but he can't play D. <laughs> or this guy, hey, he can. He can. Some guys are great run blockers, but they can't pass block, right? So you're trying to figure out how am I going to – how tough is that when you have a player and you go – I know he can hit. Yeah. Just where the heck are we going to play him? Like, how do those discussions work? Because there's a lot of positions, but obviously he doesn't have one, and that's a problem. Yeah. I mean, that's why, like, the complete players are so valuable in this game. The guys who can do it on both sides. I mean, obviously, like, the most extreme extreme example is a Mookie Betts, a guy who is a a (laughs) gold glover at multiple positions and is a silver slugger. But you look for that complete player because if you have someone who can hit but there's nowhere to put him in the field – it's hard to play that guy. Similarly, you could have a Gold Glove outfielder, but can't you know can't do it on the offensive end. It's hard to on a 26 or even a 28 man roster to hide that guy. So uh, that's where coaching and player development is so huge to really refine the game before guys get here and make sure they can do those things. You know, a guy like Mookie Betts, it's like enough's enough. All right, I get it. You're a perfect <laughs> bowler. You're one of the best. Play- I mean, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Right? He's one of the best players of his generation. Now oh, I'll play short. I'll play second. I- it's like enough. Right. Yeah. Enough. And, and we again, get it. His, we get it. I think his name came to mind he's been in the news the last 24 hours with the changes in boston and and all that but um but yeah i mean that is you know there's plenty of other guys in the game obviously you know the the guy acuna in atlanta can kind of do it on both sides too so well i'll tell you what our game is really interesting and i've known you a long time now and you are a harvard guy i think the only time we talk about that is when we're uh, talking about your career as a great (laughs) shortstop but in our game 
we have a lot of smart people. We have a lot of Ivy League, MIT, Stanford. We got a lot of smart people. And over the years, and Moneyball was a part of this, is where you take old school baseball people who mm -hmm. are traditionally really good athletes, right? They played at the big league level. They were some of the greatest athletes of their time. And then you got these guys who are super smart, and their strength is how smart they are versus guys. So you have this collection of people to come together. And I've been around a lot of these people. You've never been that guy. You've never went around telling everybody you're a Harvard guy. You never, <laughs> but you see how in baseball the mixture of classic I'm successful and my identity through life has been I'm a great athlete versus my identity through my life is look how smart I am. It's a great achievement. I went to a school and I had great tests. It's interesting how baseball works. You've been in it for years. You've yeah. really seen the change. Yeah, certainly. And, and it does have to be a mixture. I mean, there is – I think because of Moneyball to some extent, there's this sort of idea that it scouts for stats. And that's, I don't think that's a realistic picture of how things work in a front office. I, I don't think there's, there ever has been in our office or anywhere else this real sort of clash or, or this idea that you can do one or the other. Um, and there are a lot of people out there um, whose backgrounds are blending both. I mean, you look at GMs, Chris Young, Princeton guy, pitched in the big leagues for 15 years. Sam, Great basketball player. Sammy Fold went to Stanford, also played outfield for 10 years in the big leagues. Like there are these guys who've blended the two and, and you do have to have a mix to be successful. So for those of us who didn't play in the big leagues or play at a high level, like you got to you got to meet everybody where they are and make sure it's a blend what you're doing. You did get paid to play though. Someone gave you a paycheck yeah, and I'm, if you get paid you're I'm sure a they regret it to this day. So <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen those YouTube videos of when they talk about fueling the plane as the plane is still in the air <laughs> yeah. how hectic and crazy that is sure. like you're like there's nothing but disaster and turbulence and like that's what some organizations want to do and i want to ask you how tough is that to say okay i want you to win i want you to have a great farm system yeah i want you to keep keep money to where we want it there to, to do it all at the same time it's fly the plane and fill it at the same time that's really hard to do. It is. It's really hard, even even at the highest levels of payroll and salary and things like that. I mean, we've always had to balance it. We've had these cycles of winning, you know, followed by knowing we're going to have to step back and rebuild um, just because of the transactional nature of our roster. But even at the, the highest payroll levels, you know, the Dodgers are obviously the best at it. But outside of that, everybody else has to kind of do you know try and do both at once and it is a balancing act you mentioned bob melvin being back in the park i know you guys had breakfast today <laughs> we did um, yeah. you know you think about how long you've been with the a's how long was he here i mean it's about a third or so of about your, half about a, about yeah half. he was here for almost 12 years this is my 24th year yeah. so the thing i mean that's that that's a long time to have a relationship with somebody what was it like now having breakfast with bob melvin the <laughs> manager because you guys had good times you clashed at we times that's just how it works what was it like now just having breakfast with bob melvin the manager of a different team it's very different yes we had our uh, we had our clashes we had our differences and that's natural when you're in those positions um, but no since bob has left we've stayed in touch this was the first time I think other than just sort of passing in spring training that we've actually had a chance to sit down and get together it was nice to catch Goose's up and party that's right. Roos's party came by in spring training. But, yeah, we caught up for an hour this morning. He's, of course, staying over at the Claremont because I don't think he knows there are any other hotels in the Bay Area. Um, so we had breakfast over there. And, 
uh, got to hear about his year a little bit. I mean, they've had a challenging season and obviously a lot of expectations coming off where they were at the end of last season, plus, you know, their payroll, things like that. And he's had to deal with a lot of that. You know, I think about where we are with today's baseball. You've got a lot of teams with a lot of question marks. We now have a lot of teams that have question marks beyond us with ballpark stuff. You've got a lot. Can you ever remember a time that you've been in baseball that you've had this many, like, questions, like who's going to be here, who's running this, are they in, are they out, where are they going to play, new stadium? Have you ever, do you remember a time it being like this? I mean, look, it feels very acute because of how much uncertainty there is around us yeah. right now. Um, but you're right. You know, we've seen a couple, you know, head of baseball operations jobs change hands in the last few weeks. You've got the stadium issue in Tampa Bay, similar to what we, we dealt with. Um, and, and the game has evolved to the point where, you know, unfortunately, really only one team is allowed to consider their season a success and everyone else has to figure out what went wrong. I mean, I, I did. I talked to Bob a little bit about this this morning. They went to, you know, the last game of the NLCS last year. Or maybe it was game six. I don't remember. Game six, yeah. But they had an incredible year, first time in maybe 30 years that San Diego had been at that point. Um, and the narrative was like, what went wrong? They had a great year. So it's, it is tough, and, and there's a lot of uncertainty. And when things don't go exactly perfectly right, and we know how much luck is involved in the postseason, when things don't, you don't get lucky, the question is, okay, what did you do wrong? You know, when you watch certain guys play, beyond the stats, you go, does this guy got skill? And I see that with J.J. Blade. I see skill. Now, we need him to see him hit more, but I like him defensively. I, I like the way he can run. I like the way he can throw. Obviously, he has power. He's talked to us about changes that he has made, and that's something that you've made changes with Langoliers. You're making changes with Ruiz right now. But to see J.J. Bleday take some hacks today, yeah. good. And, and what are your expectations kind of the rest of the year and then into the offseason? I, I hope J.J. gets back for a couple games here at the end of the season. I mean, we – you know, we sort of we saw that play in Washington, thought he was done for the year. MRI came up okay, and he's slowly rehabbed. So it would be nice to get him back out on the field. Um, but what you're talking about is sort of the game of adjustments that everybody's going through. I mean, J.J. made a real serious adjustment with where his hands were and, and how he attacked the baseball and got some immediate results, which was nice. Um, but it would be great to get him back out there and know that he's healthy going into the offseason. Um, and, again, we saw some real ability early early when he got here, made an adjustment, started to hit the ball hard again, um, and it's exciting to think about what he could do with a full season. Is it possible to have a regular plan for Mason Miller? <laughs> I don't think it is, unfortunately. No, I, I don't know what – what is ultimately going to be best for him down the road. Um, you know, Paramount is keeping him healthy. Uh, we've, we had talked a lot over the last two years about starting versus relieving, like what, what is best for him. And there's a lot of different opinions inside and outside the organization. You know, do you give him the four days off between starts or do you lower his workload? Like which is better for him? Um, right now, if there's enough wood around here for me to knock there's on, there's plenty of wood. <laughs> That's right. We're in the tree. We're in the treehouse. It's all plenty wood. of wood to knock let's, on. Let's knock on all of it and say that he is uh, he's feeling good. This you know this role he's in now, opening two to three innings, about 50 pitches at a time, has served him really well. It's gotten him back on a major league mound, which was our goal for the season. Give Brian Schulman, Jeff Collins, the medical staff, a lot of credit for getting him back out there. Um, is this a role you can have over a 162-game season? I'm, I'm not sure, 
But if there's someone worth doing it for, it's Mason Miller. It's ultimately your call, right? And you're dealing with, I'm sure, doctors and everybody on the medical side, non-baseball. Then you got the baseball side. How do you go about it? I mean, is it is it just in the end a gut call? What do you do? Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about the science, um, but again, what you want to sort of prioritize is keeping them out there in any role. So, you know, you got to have a talent like that on the field if you can. It doesn't matter if he's starting, relieving, opening, whatever it is. We'll we'll keep sort of tinkering and toying with this until we find something that fits a little bit later here you're going to see on the mark kotze show every once in a while because you know in your guys's position you're always asked about somebody else no one's ever asking about you Good. it's sad no no that's it's great sad how that's... is david for i asked how mark i, I asked mark kotze am i how are you how are you doing good i'm glad How's you asked mark right that's you should ask because everybody's asking doing. every day he's got to talk about everybody else but you know what he's a human being yeah he's got a lot like how's it how are you doing i'm good i'm good it's just we just won 34 games in the time it took to lose 50 Early in the season, we only won 12 in the time it took to lose 50. That's a huge improvement. So the trend line's going up. I feel good about how we play. We won five out of seven last week for the first time since we won seven straight. And there's a lot of lot of positive trends on this club. So I'm doing well. Thanks. And we've been highlighting your minor league managers because they mean a lot. You yep. know, Fran, what he's done in Vegas. Yeah, I saw you talk to Cross a few days ago. Bobby Cross, he's fabulous. Yeah. I, he is going to be a manager <laughs> in the big league. You should see his – He the managers write this game report every night, and Cross's personality just, like, jumps off the page at you. You can tell when he's fired up. You can tell when he's pissed. You, I mean, <laughs> you can see Bobby there in the written word, so it's fun to have him. But what I, what's cool is that he's he's, he's – it's not that long ago that he played, and you can tell that he was grilled the old-school A's way, but he understands the new wave of the players, so he's kind of got he, – he reminds me of that, that like great teacher in high school who everybody loves, but he's tough on you. Yeah. That's that, what he reminds no, me of. No, that's a good call, and he grew up in a house where his dad was a scout. So he's, you know, he's lived baseball his whole life, and you're right, he came up – at a time when there, there was like, you know, these old school veterans sort of schooling him on how it should be done. But he played long enough, and now he's been coaching in this sort of new environment, and he gets both, and that's, that's critical. That's the kind of thing that will help him, I think, get to a major league staff. Let's end on this because you're going to be in a, in a rumor mill every offseason, right? You have been. I remember for years. Didn't we just say we weren't going to talk about me, Every, ever For years it was like, <laughs> Billy Bean's guy. You're going to take Billy Bean's guy. I mean, you've been – how many years have you been in the rumor mill? Uh, man, when Theo got the job in Boston in 2003, I was rumored as going as his assistant GM. So let's call it 20 years. Wow. What is that like? <laughs> uh, it depends on, on what else is going on. Sometimes it's flattering. Yeah. Sometimes it's a little annoying. Um, I guess it's good to be relevant. So I'll take it. I've been a part of, of, of rumors before, and it's 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 <laughs> – it's dicey, right? I mean, for in my in, in in our industry, it's 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 dicey when you're talking about different stations and all this kind of stuff. And I've been a part of that, and you don't like to. But I mean, the, I think the people what they need to understand is like, this is just home for yeah. all of us, right? No yeah. matter what the rumors are, they're like people call up, and I I can be honest, people have called me up and asked me about jobs and what I'd like to leave and da 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 get back into sports talk, and I just go, this is this is home, this is. 
this is what we like to do. Right. And you're kind of in that. I mean, you've been doing this a long time, your entire adult professional life. That's true. Yeah, I've been I've been in the Bay a long time. My my wife works here. My kids go to school here. Like all those things are have always been factors, and will continue to be. Is your pickleball game better than your golf game? Much better. My golf game's terrible. So we got to get you out. You know, we got sponsors. I we got know. free golf. I'm excited for to you and your staff. Yeah, we'll take your we'll, staff. You tell me. We'll I got you guys all set up. But yeah, my golf game's terrible. Uh, pickleball. I'll, I'll I'll go up against anyone right now. That guy right there. Yeah, all right, Cody. Commander Cody. Got a leak starting on Wednesday. <laughs> Let's go. There's courts over at the Claremont. It's my home court. Let's see how we do. Now, <laughs> according to the movie Moneyball. And Brad Pitt, you know, we're not selling jeans, so nope. we're not looking. But I think I'm taking David Forrest <laughs> over you, Cody. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, I'm a new pickleballer, so <laughs> we're, we're, in, we're in a beginner's uh, league. The excuses have already started. <laughs> uh, great stuff. Enjoy this homestand. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Tony. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You need to redo your wardrobe, especially for summer. They got new colors, new styles. Summer is here. The polos, unbelievable. The shorts, you name it, we got our new order. My wife is the happiest one out of all of us because I look better, thanks to Link Soul. And they've got unbelievable deals right now for the summer. So what are you waiting for? Shirts, polos, shorts, you name it. You go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. The great Izzy walking by like she owns the joint. You know, I, I something I wanted to bring up today, and what I love about the show, because I don't know how to get centered here, is I want to bring this up to you guys. And I was thinking about it with this whole Heim Bloom thing. And I've been watching it, reading a bunch of stuff. And one of the reasons why I brought up the Ivy League thing with David, and trust me, David does not walk around. I'm a Harvard graduate. He's never done that. But the reality is, if you have, and I have for many years, known people who went to schools they're the highest level of education in our country. My dearest friend who I grew up with, she went to Stanford. People that, you know, whether it's like a Caltech or an MIT or Northwestern or you got all the Ivy Leagues. You'll understand from a lot of these people, when you're around these people, within X amount of time, you'll know that they went to an Ivy League school. It's just part of their identity. They're very proud that from an educational standpoint, that they were able to get in when a lot of people aren't able to get in and graduate, and it becomes a part of what I like to call their smarty smartisans. People love to tell you how intelligent they are. That's that whole thing that uh, you never want to be the smartest guy in the room. And a great old saying is, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you shouldn't be in that room. 
because you're not learning. But that's who a lot of these people are. And then you take the baseball people. Well, the baseball people, they're superior athletes, right? These are people that all played professionally. People paid them because of their athletic skill. That's their identity. We all have ego. We all have identities. And so you have two different people and styles and egos and identities that are clashing together in our game, and it's been happening for years now. You have the group. Think about it. If you played professional baseball, if you got to the big league level, You played at the highest level. That means your entire life you've been this great athlete. Most of these guys, they played football, they played basketball. Whatever they did, they were the best athlete. That's a part of your identity. I'm better than all of you else, humans playing sports. I'm great. And then you stay in baseball, and then you're a coach, you're in the front office, you're whatever. Then you have this group over here that, you know, I'm smarter than everybody else. I got into these schools, and most people can't get into these schools. So... Everybody's got their ego and their identity, and you have to understand in our game that we're clashing these constantly. The super smart guys who weren't great athletes, as Eno Saris calls them, the nerds, with the guys who were great athletes, with the guys who were great athletes, but they didn't get the kind of education these guys got, or gals. They didn't get that. And so you're trying to mesh the two, and David was pre- like Sam Fold, Stanford, Sam Fold, uh, former A's player. We had him on at the winter meetings. Uh, Chris Young, Princeton. So, yeah, there's some of that, but a lot of that's what we've been dealing with. Well, what does that mean for A's cast and A's cast live? I don't fit in either of those categories. I did not graduate from a, I love the school that I graduated from, San Jose State, but that's kind of who I am. I'm a public school educated kid. Now, can I play with the kids that went to Stanford? I did, and I partied with them. But, no, can I play in that world? Of course I can. Did I play in the big leagues? No, I didn't play in the big leagues. But I can hang with those guys for a little bit. I can hang in that world. What's great about A's cast in this show is that you know what you have is you've got the street smart kids who are doing this show. We can play in the arena with the smarty smartisans, and we can play in the arena with the great athletes. We're never going to live in their areas because we're not. We're not going to live in their worlds, but we can play in them, and we come back to here the center where a lot of us live. And that's what, when we talk about the topics that we talk about, the interviews that we do, we like to bring you all aspects of the game. And that's why I like laugh of everything about like the whole fan graphs thing. We have so many people, the nerds live on fan graphs, and they think everything that's on fan graphs is exactly what it is. I mean, our guy Eno Saris today is still trying to argue that the only thing that matters on Twitter, he's trying to, the only thing that matters, he's arguing on Twitter, he doesn't want to totally say it, but he says strikeouts. It's the only thing that a pitcher can control. Striking out people is the most important thing. Everything else doesn't matter because it's, it's a team game. And how can I... How can I look at just one guy with the team things? Right, ERA is a team stat. ERA is now a team stat, according to these guys. I mean, it's unbelievable. But I just wanted you to know what's great about A's cast is that we're living in this baseball bubble, but we're not like the different groups. We can go from each group to another, but we're always going to be the street smart kids, and that's, what we're, that's how we're going to view baseball and give it to you.
not going to sit here and hammer analytics all day long, even though they're important. We're not going to sit here and just back up the old, he's a baseball guy. How many times are we making fun of those old cliches? Check the back of the baseball card. That's just stupid. We don't do that. We like to mix both and give you coverage of both, and we will criticize both. But you have my word how we've set this show up of we're going to be the guys in the middle. That's what we will always be. And that's what I think about Heim Bloom. I'm going to give you something that nobody's thinking about. I heard the whole, all the stuff this morning on MLB Network. There's all the stuff on WEEI out of Boston that's all coming up. I'm going to give you a point of kind of how I see the world that's a little bit different, where we're not talking about analytics. We're not talking about coming down from the luxury tax. We're not talking about having to trade Mookie bets. And, oh, God, well, Mookie bets trade sucked, but, yeah, but you got rid of all David Price's money. Ah, he inherited Chris Sales. There's all this stuff going on, right? And the, and, the, and the baseball nerds, the Fangraphs guys, are all like, Heim did exactly what you wanted him to do. He got you under the luxury tax. He got rid of contracts. Well, he got the payroll down. He did exactly like, what do you want him to do? Oh, my God. Look, on Fangraphs, they rate the Boston Red Sox farm system. from He was last. Now he's third because it's Fangraphs. Now, if you go on MLB.com, the Red Sox are rated. Mid, they did the midseason reboot for everybody's farm system after trades and everything. Red Sox are 16th. So we know from having the guys on who do these lists, they say, hey, listen, top five, bottom five, we know. Everybody else in the middle. Mm. So there's a lot of ways to look at this. But there's one thing, one thing I haven't heard one person say yet. And this has nothing to do with luxury tax. This has nothing to do with trades. This has nothing to do with any of that. You need to understand that in August, Major League Baseball teams send out to their season ticket holders, time to renew, time to renew. See, the Fangraphs guys don't think about business. They think about baseball business as in salaries, and they think about the CBT, the luxury tax. They think about that, but they don't think about actual real-life business. So, in August, the Boston Red Sox would have sent all of, and I believe last time I checked their third or second or third highest tickets in baseball for years, they were the highest. So, they sent out all their packages out to their season ticket holders in August. Well, why would you fire Heim now in mid-September? Well, I can tell you from a business standpoint, I guarantee you that when all of a sudden people were not renewing their season tickets, they have data on everything. We have data on everything when you're a season ticket holder. And they send out questions about the franchise. They have representatives that will call. I guarantee you when they sent out their season tickets, hey, renew, time to renew, give me your money now. We want your money now before next year. Teams want to get your money now. We've already done it. All the teams do it. How many times do you think they've gotten pushback? How many times do you think the people of New England who are paying big dollars to go to Fenway Park go, you know what, I don't like the direction of the team? 
you brought in this guy, Smarty Smarterson, Ivy League guy. I don't know. Is he either? Where, where did Haim go? I want to say I think it was Yale. Was it Yale? Yeah. So he's an Ivy League guy. He was with the Rays. He's super smart. He's doing all this. Let me tell you something. Yeah, Yale. You want me to write that fat check for season tickets and what you're basing everything on is, hey, Fangraph's rates are minor league system high. Does that make you want to take out the old checkbook? Does that make you want to forward them some big money for next year? Does that make you want to hop on board and go, huh? I guarantee you there was a lot of people who called their representative or their representative called in or there was a questionnaire that they filled out that they said, I'm not digging this. I'm not liking it. I don't know if I'm going to renew. Why wouldn't they fire him at the end of the season? Why would they fire him now? Should be pretty simple. But you know what? Baseball people, baseball, baseball media people, they're not business people. I try to tell you that all the time. That's why God love them. But when they're talking about how this thing's going with the ballpark in Oakland and baseball people aren't politicians. They're not, they're not money people. They don't know. They don't own businesses. You can't trust them. They're media people. But it's, it's, no one's bringing this up. Why do you think they fired him? Because I guarantee you they said, the fan base, I'm tired of this and I'm not liking it. So you know what they realized? He's got to go. One year left on the deal. You could have easily given him one more year. Does anybody care if an executive is a lame duck? We Mostly we don't. I can, David Force was just here. I don't even know how many years David has on his contract. I couldn't even tell you, nor do I care. We don't care. Do we care what the CBO or the VP of this or the executive VP or this or that? No. He could have had one year, two year. Five. There's a reason they canned him right now, and I guarantee it. The fan base and also the sponsors. Who, who with the big sign? Is it Cisco? Who's the big, uh, what's the big sign up top the uh, Fenway Park now? Oh, it's the, isn't it the gas station? Uh, yeah, Cisco? Sitco, I think. Sitco. I don't know, Dunkin' Donuts, everything that you see, everything runs on Dunkin'. Everything back in Boston is Dunkin', trust me. Is their deal up? I mean, is Dunkin' happy? Are the sponsors happy? You guys don't think about this stuff, but that's the most important. Not not whether the farm system is rated third on fan graphs. That's what you're going to survive on? The hocus pocus? Look into my eyes. We're all going to talk about the future. Man, at some point, this is a business. They're about making money. They're, they're, they were doing okay, right? Boston was doing okay. We still got a chance at the, at, the, at the wild card. Then they go in and lay an egg in New York. And New York's quit. The Yankees have absolutely quit. And they're bringing up the kids, and even the Martian got hurt, but they're bringing up the kids, and they swept a doubleheader against Boston, and then all of a sudden, what happens? They fire him. So follow the money, folks. Always follow the money. It's business. And I also liken it to this, because this is something we can all relate to, and I'm in the restaurant business. Be very weary of when you want to go hire if you want to go hire a chef who is at a traditional restaurant, it's a turn and burn place, and he's fantastic at managing the kitchen, 
He's fantastic at food cost because got to realize someone brings the food to these restaurants and you're negotiating with purveyors all the time. So this guy's great at managing the kitchen. He's managing the staff. Some guys even manage the front. It's a turn and burn place. Good food. Menu's not expensive. Turn and burn, turn and burn. Food costs are good. And then the fancy restaurant comes in and goes, you know what? I want that, but I want you to do that at my fancy restaurant. And people don't realize, whoa, that's a whole different ball game. Because when I go to the fancy restaurant, my menu's completely different. The expectations of the customers are completely different. This is a dining experience versus a turn and burn situation. So the fancy restaurant goes, wow, I want you to keep my food costs down. I want you to keep everything down. But the problem is I need you to design a killer menu. And now we're, we're trying to sell pairings of wine with menu and things are expensive. We're not turning and burning people. We're about a dining experience. And if your customers paying that kind of money don't have the experience they like, you're going to hear about it. And then all of a sudden, that scares the heck out of you that all of a sudden they may not come back. Two times. It could be two times people have a bad meal, spend a lot of money, they won't come back. Even though they say, that's my favorite restaurant. So you're asking, this is the problem when you ask somebody who's from the turn and burn restaurant to come be the head guy and the head chef of a fancy restaurant where the expectations are different. Yeah, it sounds good that you want to keep the food costs and you want to keep your employees' costs and your, your, you know, basically your profit and loss. You want to keep everything down, but you have high expectations. And at some point, even for ownership, somebody's got to be the scapegoat. Gave you four years, not happy where it's at, time to go. Time to find somebody else. I mean, it's just a reality of life. And if you think that everything is going to be built on what the fan graphs think and the baseball nerds think, you're crazy because they don't take anything. They don't take anything that I said into effect. They're just going to tell you about the farm system's better. And that's really, that's why I asked David, we're, we're really in a tough spot because I can go around and tell you how many different teams right now are in some type of transition, whether it's with their roster with their farm systems, whether they're trying to win, where are they going to play? I mean, we did this the other day. Over a third of baseball right now, over a third is saying there's an issue with our ballpark. Over a third. Forget all the teams that have issues with their rosters and what they're going to do going forward. You have over a third of the teams are saying, okay, what's happening and where are we going to play and how are we going to play and all that stuff long term. We are at a crazy time in baseball. And just to sum this up, if you want to know how bad things can get, Cody, what did you tell me earlier today about the tickets? Was this at Fenway Park? Yeah, Pete Abraham, who covers the Red Sox, I forget which, which publication in Boston, he was on with on loud outs with Spielborgs and CJ Nikowski. And he's, Spilly and CJ are buddies? He mentioned how tickets for a game in Boston the other day against the Yankees on the secondary market, and these were like box seats, not uh, bleachers, were going for $5. What? And the, don't the Red Sox have the most expensive tickets in sports? I think they're third Or baseball? Now. Okay. I checked. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to judge, right? But they're top five. I want you guys 
to think about it. For all the people that live on fan graphs and all the people are saying about, oh, Heim did his job and he got the payroll down. Heim, he's got the, he's got, Fangraph says they're third, third best farm system, even though MLB.com, what's our guy, Jim Callis, uh, he had him at 16. But even like, even with their payroll down, you can like, like the Houston Astros still have a smaller payroll than the Red Sox. Astros keep going to the playoffs, keep going to the World Series and keep winning. So there's a bunch of, bunch of different ways to do it. But think about that. Cody just said, tickets at Fenway Park, What's one of the smallest stadiums, one of the most desired stadiums in all of sport. Just not baseball. People want to just go to Fenway. I, I've gone to Fenway as a fan multiple times. You just want to go to Fenway, doesn't matter who the Red Sox are playing. This is in a historic, historic place. How much for tickets? $5. And you wonder why they fired him? You think when you're when you're like in the end going, man, I, five bucks. anybody anybody just want to come in? If the Boston Red Sox are at a point to where they're putting tickets out there for five dollars, don't be shocked that the CBO gets canned, and him walking around going, "Well, oh, I got rid of Mookie for you." I mean, there's reports he had a chance to get rid of Chris Sale and didn't get rid of the money. I read that today. It's very interesting. And then you're hearing these reports. Even worse, I've given you the money aspect. Even worse, they're like, this guy's awful to deal with. He's like the ultimate nickel and dime guy. That works in Tampa. That doesn't work in Boston. They're saying, out of Boston, multiple people have said, it's a situation to where when he calls people, and all of a sudden, I'm an agent or someone else in the front office, and I see it's his cell phone. I go, ugh. They don't want to deal with him. People in his own industry don't want to deal with him. They don't want to get involved in a deal because it's going to be so nickel and dime. Uh, Eflin, with a chance to go to Tampa or Boston, they went, we offered the same amount of money as Tampa. Bro, he lives in Orlando. He lives already in Florida. What are you doing? What are you doing? You got to spend a little bit more. I mean, unbelievable. Delaire Lawars, the great Delaire. Come here. At least so people can so they can see you. You got to get in front of the camera. That's how it works. I know you're on TV. There you go. That's our boss. See that now you got now the guy who put the who puts the when Ray Fossey talked about the wind. Delaire Lawars. Is I right? How is that wrong? I've called you that for how many years? <laughs> all right, we got more coming up next right here. We're going to have Bob Melvin. We're going to have Mark Kotze all coming up here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You need to redo your wardrobe, especially for summer. They got new colors, new styles. Summer is here. The polos, unbelievable. The shorts, you name it, we got our new order. My wife is the happiest one out of all of us because I look better, thanks to Link Soul. And they've got unbelievable deals right now for the summer. So what are you waiting for? Shirts, polos, shorts, you name it. You go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. You know, today at the ballpark, it's Roberto Clemente Day. We're doing fireworks tonight, too, right? Correct, yes. And then tomorrow is Hispanic Heritage Day. It's, uh, I think, socks tomorrow. 
so we can add more socks to our collection. Yeah, I glad you know. Obviously, we already give away the Roberto Clemente Award. We know about his career, how he lost his life. You know, these yesteryear players. I think a lot of people just forget just how good they were. And Roberto Clemente is somebody that I'm basically just going to tell you stats because I, I, like everybody else, I think he died in '71 or '72. I think it was 72. Remember, his last game, he got his 3,000 hit. Well, the point is, is that I was born in 72. Yeah, so. I never saw him play. Yeah. But you just know seeing the highlights and everything. But it, it's also important to remember just how good this guy was. A two-time World Series champion, uh, batting champion. You know, they were showing some stuff today about career average because average does matter. And, you know, somebody that – had one of the greatest arms in the history of the game, throwing from right field. You've had a lot of guys, right? When you think of someone like Clemente, a guy that played in Pittsburgh, Dave Parker, Strawberry, Jesse Barfield had a hose. Vladimir Guerrero. Vladimir Guerrero had a hose. I mean, you got guys who just, I mean, there's just, Dave Winfield had a big, I mean, guys that just had these rockets of an arm. Clemente was like the standard of that. So it is, it, it, he's a man that, his name just speaks of generosity, humanity, giving of himself. And we've been lucky to really get to know Dave Stewart the last couple of years. And Dave Stewart, Ace Hall of Famer, who's had an unbelievable career. He's been honored. I predicted it. He couldn't ex- tell you exactly how many Hall of Fames he was in. He was like, I think five. Told you. But, you know, just went into the California Sports Hall of Fame. World Series MVP, World Series champion, all this stuff in his illustrious career. The Roberto Clemente Award is still tops for Dave Stewart. And it was, was it last year they got them all together? A lot of the guys who are still living who have won the award, they had them all at uh, City Field in New York. And it was really cool to see all the legendary players who have received the Roberto Clemente Award. In football, we got the Walter Payton Award. It means a lot to these guys because you are signaled out for your hard work and your work, and you don't do it to win the award. As Tony Kemp's up for, what, third or fourth straight year? I think it's fourth straight year. I mean, you don't do it for that, but it is. it tells you something about yourself. And when you win that award or you're even nominated for that award, there's so many people behind the scenes that are helping you with your foundation, your family's helping with. There's so many people. It's a reward for you, and it's a reward really for everybody who's a part of it. And I think it's great that uh, we celebrate a day like this because Roberto Clemente, truly one of the greats who have ever played the game, not only on the field, but off the field. We focus so much on uh, on the field. It's great that we focus on what some guys do off the field. And it's, uh, I believe in Pittsburgh they're wearing number tw- – uh, everyone's wearing number 21 for Clemente, and it's Roberto Clemente Day in Pittsburgh. They – they just announced that, that that's going to be every year now going forward. So it's great to see them do that. And, you know, we can't really see the pin, so I'll have to walk closer. But we were given the Roberto Clemente pin, so that was cool. So it, it's, I'm glad to see we honor uh, one of the greatest players of all time and, uh, you know, tragically for passing away. But, man, getting your 3,000 hit in your last game is pretty awesome. I mean, yeah, we God, know. Ending on 2 9, nine, yeah. nine would have been miserable. 
Yeah, I mean, we didn't foresee what happened. No, well, we weren't even around, but they didn't foresee what happened to him, you know, happening to him. But to see that he got his 3,000 hit in his last game before he tragically passed away, was, it's a pretty cool moment for one of the greatest outfielders and players of all time. No doubt. What did you think about what I had to say about the we're in the middle because you're not an Ivy League guy? Uh, they did call my school Harvard on the Mond. You're not an Ivy League guy. You know, by the way, I wanted to tell you this, but you're in the middle of it. You know what Heim's degree is in? We went over this before, but. I don't remember. Latin classics. How are you running a baseball team with a Latin's, Latin classics degree? Well, also, another thing that the nerds on Fangraphs aren't going to tell you is life is about relationships, not about numbers. And. You know, there's a reason why we're going to honor, wink, wink, Bob Melvin tonight. He really doesn't even know it. Uh, no, David Force told me off air that Bob knows now. He, well, I, I – I, He I, didn't know when we talked to him. Well, I told him. Well, I mean, to. until you told him, he had no idea. Yeah, I told, I told Bob. I, I let the cat out of the bag. I just said, there's, they're going to do something. Um, well, I don't want to out you to David. So I said, yeah, no, he doesn't know. So relationships, you want to be in this for a long time? Got to have relationships. Got to be able to build relationships. And when all these people are saying, oh, yeah, dirty little secret is nobody wanted to deal with him. Other executives, agents, nobody wanted to deal with him. And it's funny, like, you could see how that mentality works in Tampa where we're going to pinch, we're going to squeeze, I guess you would expect that. But all of a sudden, now you run the Boston Red Sox, and, you know, Eflin's out there, and he's willing to come to Boston, but obviously no state taxes versus Massachusetts is a 5%. I already live in Orlando. Family's there. You're going to have to pay me a little more money. But, nope, we're sticking to the plan. I mean, I can just see day-to-day. Put it also this way. If... Baseball executives, if agents, if all these guys viewed this as so-and-so's a pain in the you-know-what, what what do you think he was like in the building? Yeah, probably not perceived well, especially by his peers, people around him. Um, It's the first time we ever heard anything about him like this because no one ever really – I mean, they just highlighted how great he was in Tampa because of what he did in Tampa with everything. And then he goes to Boston, a major market, and, and our, our colleague Ray Jensen mentioned, he goes, how many guys from the race system have ever have done anything since they left Tampa? Now, Andrew Freeman did a nice job. He's doing a nice job with the Dodgers. Yeah. I mentioned James Click, but he got fired after winning a World Series. So there's something there with Jim Crane and the Astros. And then Haim, obviously, they haven't gone anywhere. I went to the ALCS last year, but it, it's, it's been a disastrous last couple of years for Boston. And the Chris Sale thing that came out today is just unbelievable. Could you could have got rid of – Chris Sale's hurt, millions owed, could have got rid of him and didn't do it. Now, Andrew Friedman is like, he's like the outlier. He is the guy that went, as I talked about, the analogy of taking a chef from a turn and burn and trying to go into a fancy restaurant. Andrew Friedman's been the one guy. Now, everybody tries to knock him. Now they haven't won the World Series other than the COVID World Series. Still a big deal. But they have now become the model. But not everybody's going to have what the Los Angeles Dodgers have. Now, you can still screw that up. I mean, under Frank McCourt, they screwed it up. There's no question. But you do have some advantages if you do it the right way. 
the way the L.A. Dodgers have done it. What, what happened? Uh, I'm texting them to see when Trevor Mays come up because if he's not going to be here for another 15 minutes or something, we can play Bob Melvin for them. So I'm waiting to see what they say. Because you just jumped up like something happened and freaked out. No, no, I, out. I wanted to just I wanted to get uh, get on get ahead of it because I know we promoted that Bob will be on at five, and I know a lot of people are waiting to hear from Bob. So I'm waiting to see when we may have uh, Ace Closer Trevor May. I think, I think we can finally call him Closer now, right? I mean, he has he's been doing a really great well, job. Well, do you really have a closer when you're 46 and 100? Yeah, I couldn't tell you the rate, uh, the Royals closer is, so probably I would say no. Do you really have a closer at 46? The good thing for Trevor May is how good he has been, how good the bullpen's been, how good the staff has been. And that's one of the things I'd, I'd like to talk to him about is, like, all the work that they've done with the younger players, that they've gotten better. Like, Trevor May is a veteran. How proud is he of J.P. Sears? Yeah, for sure. Uh, by the way, they said that they're on, they're on their way up here now. So we'll have to wait to play ball. But think about that. The starting staff, the note I had it, I don't have it in front of me now, but the starting staff, like the last 12, 13 games, had an ERA around 3-5. Folks, it was at 7. I mean, they were, you had really bad things going on. And the fact that you're looking at the A's, the way they have gotten better. Bob Melvin, I don't know, he said during the interview, did he say to me off the air, he goes, hey, these guys are, it's the, the scouting reports are showing the A's are not an easy out right now. Yeah, I have it. Uh, it the starters in the month of month of September are four and two of the three fifty seven area. It's the second best in the American League behind only Detroit somehow. Yeah. Detroit's playing really well. They're seven to five overall. This pitching rotation, the the starting or not even stop, just the the entire uh, staff with a three eighty two ERA in twelve games. That's third best in the American League over that span. There's been a vast improvement from all facets from starters and relievers, so it's a nice thing to see. I don't think we're going to have time for me to go on my Juan Soto thing. You know, it's sad because he's here this weekend. Maybe we can use it for one of the hits in the game this weekend. You can use it. Ask Johnny what he thinks about uh, Juan Soto. I can just tell you, Juan Soto, and I'm not trying to hammer the, the once again, Eno Saris calls them the nerds. I'm not trying to... But here is somebody that they have propped up as, like, an all-time great. And there's multiple things since we've gotten to the ballpark today that people are like, probably one of the biggest things San Diego can do this offseason is dump Soto. That's, like, one of probably the biggest thing that if they can – because they've they've got some guys, like, in double-A that they think are going to help because they have no depth, right? They're such a top-heavy roster, they have no depth. Look for maybe A.J. Preller if he still has the job. 4,000-something. I, I sent it to Cody last night. A.J. Preller has been in charge of the Padres for 4,000-something days. That's years. Yeah. You had 365 days in a year. Am I still correct on that? Yeah. And you've been in charge for 4,000-something days? No division titles. No World Series appearance. Like, how does a guy keep a job that long? I don't know. I don't know if he'll be in charge. But if he is in charge, hey, I give him credit for going for it. I always give credit. You go for it, go for it, man. You believe you got a chance, go for it. But now what may be the right call is you're not going to pay Soto long term. Because we we now, people get to see him play every day, all do the same thing you do with a guy that walks a lot. Swing more. You're going to give me – I need more for you. 
and you know he's not good defensively. He doesn't run well. He doesn't throw well. It's like all of a sudden it's like, yeah, he had those monster young years in Washington, and he's having a good year this year. But he really is a one-dimensional player. Yeah, and we looked it up, you know, where he's ranked in the league when he because he always walks a lot. Walks a and, lot. And the runs scored, I mean, I have it right here. His runs scored, uh, Soto, runs scored. I'm sorry, I have so much on Heim Bloom in here. Uh, in 2019, he scored 110 runs. He was tied for 12th in baseball and runs scored. Eh, you think you have that many that many walks, you'd be in the leaderboard. Ricky Henderson. Have you guys heard of him? A uh, good little player. When Ricky Henderson walked, fire alarms were going off with the other team. The other team's pitcher, catcher, first base, dugout, everybody knew, oh, no. <laughs> Ricky Henderson's on first. <laughs> I mean, it's a fire drill. There's problems. Because Ricky Henderson's going to steal second. Now he's in scoring position. He could steal third. I mean, Ricky Henderson on the basis was, oh, my God. Now I'm using an extreme here because he's the greatest of all time. But as the video that has popped up on Twitter, a lot of Greg Maddox stuff is coming up, uh, or I should say coming out. Greg Maddox was asked about facing Barry Bonds because, my God, they played against each other their entire careers. Maddox was in the National League. Bonds was in the National League. For years, Bonds was in Pittsburgh, Atlanta. He, you know, he was in Chicago and Atlanta. And then, of course, he would. Bonds is in San Francisco. Maddox comes out, plays for the Padres and the Dodgers. I love, I love that part of his career. Right. So they played a lot. So what did what did Great Maddox say about facing Bonds when it mattered? Just walk him. Like just walk him. Beat everybody else. We'll get into that. Trevor May is now joining us here in the treehouse. We'll get into that a little bit later. And, of course, we have the comments of about Juan Soto and the future. But it's great to have Trevor May on the program. It has been a while. How are you? Good. How are you? Well, I was talking about on your way up here, we knew you were coming up. And, of course, we'll talk about you. But I know you like to talk about your teammates just talk about what we have seen as Scott Emerson and the pitching staff as a whole. The numbers, the hard work, and how the staff has gotten better. And I know as a veteran guy, you're proud of a lot of these young guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's been a lot of fun to watch uh, guys come into their own a little bit. Um, you know, and, and even the, the veteran guys like uh, Paul Blackburn kind of doing what he always does and kind of upping his game too as he's going. So. You know, but like the Ken Waldachucks, the J.P. Sears taken, you know, J.P.'s kind of, I think, uh, a guy who maybe took even a bigger step forward than maybe a lot of people would have anticipated to. So um, opening some eyes, Mason Miller's electric. Uh, you know, he doesn't got to do much to be successful, I don't think. Uh, he's pretty dang good. And, uh, yeah, I, I just – I'm really enjoying all the conversations having the guys and, and, you know, picking their brains and letting them pick my brains and, and just seeing how – how far everyone's kind of come over the last five months it's 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 pretty pretty awesome because that's what you got to do when when things are going the way that they've you know gone this year you got to make sure that um that you're you're as good as as much better as as more better as you can be from the beginning to the end um because that is that is what what the season's for we've liked jp ever since he came over from the yankees you know just didn't know like where would he exactly fit in because you know we saw him pitch against the a's when he was with the yankees just talk about as a young player, a young starter, what that means to take the ball the entire year and get to that mark 30 starts. It's a it's a big deal. I hadn't, I never did it. Um, but, uh, 
you know, especially in your sophomore season, kind of going and staying healthy all year, making sure that you're getting every opportunity to establish yourself that you can is, is honestly probably the biggest goal that a guy should have, I think, at that point in their career, just taking the ball every time they, they need them to take it. And uh, he's done that, I think, and then he, he's gone on above and beyond. And uh, building consistency when you with the amount of experience he's had, is, it's impressive to do it this quickly. And uh, it, it, everyone sees it, and the, the powers that be, when they see a guy who go take the ball and you know what you're going to get, and you know where he's going to be mentally, and you know he's not going to implode, and you know he's going to give you – he's going to battle every single time out, you're going to get opportunities – and a longer leash, and uh, he's definitely done that for himself for sure. Now, there's been a lot of talk about your season, what's happened in the season, and I think it's so big for, because there's a lot of people struggling out there, and when they can draw strength from you, I think it's incredible. When they can draw strength from somebody that they watch and they know that if you can do it, they can do it. I wanted to ask you, you know, we've been waiting to have you on again. What do you think you've learned the most about yourself this season? Um, I think... uh I have a better idea of when I'm feeling something, what's what it means, if that makes sense. Uh, you know, it's it's been I, I've realized that like the ups and downs of a baseball season, you hear that all the time, and and the context for that is just different for everybody. And for me, I was just living and dying with performance. I was living and die- I felt like the world was ending when things were going well, and I felt like I staved off the world ending when things were going good. So that's were, not good. Yeah, there was a while there where it was like, great job. Now just got to do it again tomorrow. And it was just that every time. I was never enjoying it. Um, and that needed to be addressed. It, it's just you got to have you got to enjoy, enjoy what you're doing, um, especially when it's something you've done for 30 years. Uh, it, it doesn't feel good to um, have that associated with like going to the field. Uh, and something just clicked one day where I told myself, you know, just all you can do is the only thing that's supposed to happen is what happened and uh wherever you are right now is where you're supposed to be right now and uh you just i look in the mirror before i go out and pitch and i do this every single day at some point when i go to the bathroom because (laughs) as as the uh as the game gets going we tend to be like oh i gotta go to the bat all the time because we're nervous uh and i just look in the mirror and say just do your best today man like well, you look like you've brought joy back into your yeah. life. And I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm taking – I used to be, get these anxious feelings or get these fe- or you get these feelings where you're like, thinking of failure and you want to, like, get rid of them. And I, I flipped it. And it's like I like that I, I like this feeling because that means I care or that, that it means something to me. And, and then it's also an opportunity to overcome it. And once that started happening, because that's kind of what – athletes think right we always want to rise to the occasion if you are constantly having your own little battles where you rise on occasion over and over again it turns from failure to success really quickly and suddenly nothing's too hard nothing's too scary because now scary things are what you're looking for and uh yeah that was just a really interesting uh, flip that switched uh and i think that it applies to everything uh well i was what i want to add i, do, I don't have a ton of time with yeah. you but but it, you know, human beings have a hard time expressing themselves, whether yeah. you're a major league baseball player or whatever you do for a living. And so we have a hard time reaching out and telling people we're hurting. How many people have now come to you that maybe you didn't expect, that they now feel like I can use you as a resource? What has that been like where people know you've been through it? You're going through it. You're always going to go through yeah. it. So what has that been like? I'm sure there's a lot of people that have come to you and said thank you or I need help or just tell us how that has gone for you. 
there's been a few. There's been a handful of guys, um, you know, peers and guys, you know, around the game. And then there's been people in my personal life that have just basically said, hey, I just want you to know that, like, it means a lot that you just said something and said it so publicly. Because that's the kind of the scariest part is just people knowing. Like, it, a lot of people don't address it because they don't want anyone to know. And uh, so they just don't address it. And that, I think, was maybe the biggest catalyst. Um, uh, one big one was Daniel Bard. I saw him in, uh, in Colorado, and he walked up to me and he's like, hey, man, I just want you to know that, like, he just said, thank you for, per- like, thank you. Yeah. There, there's another, like, I, have a, I feel like I have an ally. I don't feel like I'm on an island anymore, too, which is a part, big part of the problem. Um, and he was just like, keep it up. And I made a joke about, I'm like, because uh, he's had success, but he was he was walking guys at the beginning of the year, and so was, so we both had really high walk totals. I'm like, hey, we're doing it, and we're still letting guys on base, and we're getting out of it. So he's like, I'm like, we're both doing it. It's great to see that too. And he's like, yeah, man, it's we're we're very similar in a lot of ways. Isn't it amazing the joy that comes back into your life, and then how well you're playing? Because your second half, or really ever since you've come back, you've been brilliant. Thank you, thank you, appreciate it. That's got to be something really. I don't know. It's just you got to feel like coming to the yard, like. You feel good right now. Like, uh, give yeah. me the ball. Let me go in every people, every type of scenario. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And and the the mindset stuff kind of feeds into that too. It's like when things are going well, I'm I'm giving myself more permission to actually enjoy it as also, and I'm not just worried about when it the when the other shoe is going to fall. Um, and because it's like that's not a real thing unless you make it a thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's much easier to like run out to the mound look up and see your little walkout song or your your video <laughs> right and i'm every stadium i'm in i'm looking around and watching the even on away to, away uh games i'm like lo- really looking around and seeing how bad do these fans want me to fail or how bad do these fans want me to get the job done and then i adjust according to that and i just like want to be in it i want to like really feel all that pressure all that whatever that is whatever that noise is i want to feel it because uh you know once you're done i've heard this from every person that's ever retired and they're like there is just you just remember there's moments day to day where you're like man yeah i wish i was they were cheering for me again well we appreciate you stop by i know they they they, they want to end this but uh stay hot oh you're hot right now do, stay I'll, hot finish strong and keep educating these kids they all need right. all the help i will we got best. more bob melvin's going to join us next right here on a's castle Live. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you'll likely catch me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. you got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better. All thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. A's Cast Live continues from the Treehouse. Here's Chris Townsend. All right, quickly, before we get to Robert Melvin, something's changed in Cody's life. Oh, well, I'll just tell you real quick. Uh, Wait, are you not going to play the breaking news sounder? Well, I, there's, this isn't like a radio studio. i gotta, I got to go through everything. And this is like this. We're in the treehouse. You should be able to make this stuff happen. <laughs> Live from the ABC Sports Desk in New York, I'm Chris Townsend. What do we got? A guy you like, a guy I like, a guy we all respect, famous actor. They're not working right now. He was on the Pat McAfee show earlier. The Brahma Bull, The Rock, the people's champion is back in WWE. What? I think just tonight because he was in Boulder doing an interview with McAfee. I was about to say, The Rock's not back into wrestling. Well, I don't know. John Cena's back. and The Rock is a multi-multi. I mean, he's The Rock. He's a... Superstar now. He Global superstar. WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia. The Rock grew up right outside of Philadelphia. Just saying. Could happen. I mean, So they're saying he's back for the night. I think That's it's your news. People in front Rock. of Robert Melvin. How do you? I mean, I think Bob would understand. Get out of here. <laughs> Bob Melvin. A record of 853 wins, 764 losses. That is a 528 winning percentage, taking the A's to the postseason six times, three AL West titles. His 853 wins as the manager of the A's trails only Connie Mack. That's it. Connie Mack, by the way, 3,582. I, I think they said Bob would have to manage for like 50 more years. Until he's 100. <laughs> uh, Bob Melvin is a friend Bob Melvin when I think of people in my career who have meant the most to me in my career he'd be on a short list people around here that have done things for me Billy Bean no question what he's done for me in my career Bob Melvin what he's done for me in my career I'll always be indebted to these guys they help me in so many different ways you have no idea you bet I reached out to Bob Melvin to have him on before he comes back for the first time. Bob Melvin means a lot to a lot of people in this building and a lot of people in this organization. We love him. We wish him nothing but the best. Obviously, it's been a miserable year in San Diego, which he, he told us and I've told you. It's about relationships, right? Bob Melvin told me in spring training, it's not good. Now there's an article today coming out of the San Diego Union-Tribune talking about how the chemistry is brutal in their clubhouse. Chemistry or not, Bob said they have issues. They've got roster issues. They've got leadership. He told us that in spring training, and I tried to tell all you guys, not going to be good, not going to be good. But Bob is obviously a great manager, a great Oakland A, and I do believe that his number six with Sal Bando should be retired. Sal Bando for... Being the captain, three straight World Series teams, Bob Melvin, the all-time winningest manager in Oakland A's history, put it together, one number, you take care of two guys. 
they should retire number six for Bob Melvin and Sal Bando. Here's my conversation earlier with the great Bob Melvin. Time now for the Bob Melvin Show right here on a... Well, I guess we don't do that anymore. Mm-mm. How are you? Good. Um, I do remember that. Remember that? Though. Yeah. We like eight do, years of that. We did that for a while. So, um, yeah, I, I don't blame you for, for leading with that. Well, I think about you coming back to the Coliseum. It's more than just a guy that worked here professionally. I mean, this is a place when you look around at the Coliseum, you've been coming to since you were a kid. You had a lot of great times as a teenager, as a student. Um, you came back for the first time in your career in another uniform. What was it like rolling in here today? It, so I got here early because I knew that it would probably be a little bit emotional yeah. for me. So first thing I did is I like to run the stairs here. So I got here and first people that I have to see are Clay and Reba. And Reba didn't forget me. She came on a full sprint. So that made me feel good. Um, but then looking around and running the stairs and like I've done so many times before, you know, a lot of, you know, the history comes in. It gets you a little bit emotional here, too. Like you said, I've been I've been in this place since I was like 12 years old. And, you know, my godfather was trainer of the Warriors. So I was over there a lot. I was at Raider games here. I was at Dan the Greens here. I mean, this property in particular is a place where I grew up. So to come back after a couple of years, um, it was, it got me a little bit today. Yeah. I was thinking about spring training and it was a, an amazing moment when I was sitting there waiting for you in the visiting manager's office, a ho-ho cam and the, the office is blank. There's nothing in there, but a white envelope that says Robert on it. And it was from Steve Vucinich. And this was Steve Vucinich. We're going to have his retirement party and everything. But he had that he had that letter for you, thanking you. I know there was some weird apology in there that he didn't need to, but it, just who Vuces is. I just think about the relationships, just not the players, because all the players have come through here, by the way. We've had everybody from Olsen, Chapman, Simeon, had Bassett. They all bring you up. I don't even ask. They bring you up about what you've meant in their lives. Just talk about the relationships with this organization, from the players to a Steve Vucinich, what that's been like, thinking about that since you've left. Well, if you hadn't have brought those people up, I would have at some point in time, too. So there was just a, a closeness here in this organization, you know, in my time here. Because of the continuity here, we brought people up from the minor leagues. They, they came here. We brought coaches up from our minor league system. Keith Lippman was a huge part of that. There was continuity and leadership. It was Billy at the top. It was David. It was Keith Lippman. It was Billy Owens. It was myself. It was a coaching staff that was here for so long. So you, you form some, some bonds with these people. And then when the kids come up through the system, it's the same thing here. Everybody has pride in being in an Oakland A because everybody basically is here from the system. So I think that's the thing I think about most when you talk about the players here and the front office and ownership and everybody from here. It just felt like a family. And, you know, that's probably what I missed most. Yeah, all the all the ex-players, they, they all bring you up and they all talk about, I mean, it's not necessarily about the wins and the losses. It's about how you help them grow as men and grow in their careers. You've gotten to now face them as the manager of the Padres. What's it like when you get to see them knowing that relationship and how much you've meant to them as men? Well, it's a two-way street. So they've meant just as much to me and helped me grow and helped me become a better manager too. And then when Marcus Simeon comes to home plate and I have to watch that on the other side, it's not a great feeling. Matt Chapman, 
tips his hat to me. Chris Bassett plays walk-up songs that I that I suggested for him uh, in the past. So I mean, it, it just it it you know it gets you a little bit for a while, but um, you know they're all such big parts of my career. And uh, but more than anything, like you talk about, it was just it would always always felt like a family here, and everybody had everybody's back. Well, I know you're not shocked that every once in a while I'll get onto a topic and I'll rant and rave about it for a while and and uh, let fans know how I feel. And my uh, latest is, you know, with Captain Sal recently going into the A's Hall of Fame, having his family here, knowing what he meant. Once again, it's about relationships. It's about leadership. You know, when we when we celebrate the 72 team or the 73 team, you've got these men who show up here or in their 70s who still refer to him as Captain Sal. It just shows what a leader he was. And as a three-time World Series champion, the numbers. And then I think about you as the all-time winningest manager for the A's and how much Sal meant to you in your life and getting you into a new career beyond your playing days. I love the idea of retiring number six for both of you. I know you're very humble and you're not going to talk about yourself, but at least can you talk about for Captain Sal, how this number should be retired for both of you, especially what he's done for this organization. Well, I, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in right now without, without Captain Sal. Uh, he gave me my first job, uh, out, you know, outside of being a player and basically spoon fed me you know, allowed me to see the front office, allowed me to see player development. He showed me what an entire organization looks like and how it's structured. And it meant so much to me and it was so helpful to me. And then for my first big league jog with with Phil Garner, um, I can't say enough about how much this guy's meant for my career. For me, more than anything, being able to wear number six because of Sal Bando, that's the thing that I remember the most uh, was putting that uniform on every day with pride, looking at that number six and seeing Bando in my mind on the back because I grew up watching that. That, that for me, is the most important thing and what he's meant for this organization and, and you know, for the people of Oakland and, and still does. So, you know, you don't have to talk me into to being a Sal Bando fan that's been there for quite some time. I can see it. Padres come back next year, get his family here, your family here. We retire number six. It could be Perfect. I don't know that we come here next year, do we? I think I think they come to our place. Don't we flip flop to each other's ballparks every year, or is it every other year? Next year, San Diego. Yeah. Next year in San Diego. Okay, in two years we'll do it. <laughs> we'll see if I'm doing this in two years. But look, it's, it's Sal alone probably belongs up with those numbers up there. You know, I think about winning. Winning is hard. It really, really is hard, and hasn't been easy for you in San Diego this year. Obviously, the year before. You know, you caught lightning in a bottle and you took it all the way to the NLCS. We were all rooting for you. I think people just forget no matter what. It doesn't matter how you build the team, how much money you spend, how you drive it. Winning in professional sports, as you said, you've been around it all the way back when you were a kid with the Warriors. Doesn't matter what sport, winning is hard. It is. And we, shoot, we proved it this year. So, you know, with the expectations this team had based on where we ended up last year with the players that we brought in, it was supposed to be a lot different than it is right now. And I think this year is as is, is much as any year, it, it, it proves that, you know, payroll is not, doesn't guarantee anything. Look at the Yankees, look at the Mets, look at us. We're the three highest payroll teams and none of them is, have lived up to expectations. So it's not about that. It's playing as a team, it's playing as a unit and, and that's the most important thing. And for whatever reason, we haven't been able to do that nearly as well as we did last year. And that's why we're in the position we're in. 
When you think about finishing strong, how tough is it when you've had the year you guys have had and still be preaching, got to finish strong, got to finish strong? Yeah, well, they, they preaching it too. And you can see they're playing hard every day. They're probably playing as well as they have all year right now. So they're going to be a challenge for us. Um, but the, you have to. This is what you play. I mean, you're, you're, we're major leaguers. We have to play until the last out of the last game. And it's important that we do. So as a coaching staff here, uh, that's something that we continue to preach. Hopefully it comes to fruition and hopefully we finish out strong because it's been a frustrating year for everybody here. So how is it in San Diego from the standpoint of what we always did with you? Who's the Chris Townsend in San Diego and how much, how much you doing down there? Do you, do you, is it like what we did up here or is it completely different? No. And you know, I just saw Ken Korak there too. I don't do a radio show every day. I do one uh, every, every like third week. Um, but it, it's, it's not like it is here where we do things, you know, pretty regimented with these type of things and in the pregame shows. There's a lot going on in San Diego and, and it's, you know, so a little different as far as that goes, but every place is different. Well, I can't thank you enough for everything you did for us. You know, we, we I mean, to tell people I, I wasn't even working for A's. I was working for 95-7, the game, the, the team and the station were going to, go through a divorce you had my back that whole time and then we created this thing ace cast which turned into ace cast live which is now we're number one in all of major league baseball and you were always so supportive of what we did and you went above and beyond what what most managers would do to help us and and i can't thank you enough for all the support you gave us and one of the reasons we were able to grow the way we did was because of how you treated us well the, the feelings mutual and how you treated me as well here and I remember in, in 12, when we lost to the Tigers that last game, I was listening to the show on the way home and I pulled over the side of the road. My daughter was with me in the car and I called in because I wanted to thank our fans that year for what they meant to this team. And, and from that point on, it was just, it was, it was just part of what we did here. And, and so, you know, as, as much as you say that I've been a, such a big part of what you've done, congratulations to you and Cody, what you've done with A's cast. And I'm just happy to be a part of it. And just real quickly, I know how much A's fans meant to you. They still mean to you. Uh, something special is going to happen here. I don't know what it is, but uh, these fans, you always cared about the fans. You always said when we had a, a fireworks night or a giveaway night that you wanted to perform well, you wanted to win for the fans. There's this, this fan base loves you. You love them. Well, thank you. And it did. I used to get really nervous when we had really, really big crowds because you want to to put on a good show for them because you know everybody regardless of who's here on a particular night they're watching they're listening it's gone on for years and years and years and years you know listening to bill king and ken korak and you know all the great voices here yourself now um it's just big it's a big part of a's baseball so it meant a lot to me the great bob melvin right here on a's cast live how cool is that great to see him hate to see him in that brown but, uh, yeah, good to see Bob. He's a friend. We root for him. He's a great manager. I can tell you what he meant to all those different players. I mean, every one of them. We just recently, the most recent guy was Chris Bassett. Whether it's Simeon, Olsen, Chapman, Canna. All the guys that have come back and been back on A's Cast Live, they all talk about Bob Melvin and what, he meant to them in their lives more than just baseball. I mean, he's a leader. He's a teacher. 
great leaders and teachers affect people more than just what happens at work. It's like how Cody affects me on my everyday life. In a very positive way, I'm assuming. In a positive way. I have that effect on everyone. Yeah, That's you my do. wife. <laughs> That's why I think we never see each other. So, so we're doing this very right. It's great to have David Force. It's great to have Trevor May, Bob Melvin. So we're basically going from the guy that we used to have the Bob Melvin show, we now we have the Mark Kotze show. Is that correct? That's correct. And I told Bob, I said, it's, it's just because we're only in year two with Kotz and doing it. I said, Bob, it just doesn't have the same ring yet with the, the uh, Mark Kotze show brought to you by Nest Betting, you know, as the guy that does the spots for Nest Betting now. It's, I'm so used to the Bob Melvin show brought to you by Nest Bob Betting. Bob Melvin's still sleeping on the, his beds from Nest Betting. I, 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 I mean, think about that. There's 30 managers in Major League Baseball. Correct? Uh, last time I checked, yes. Two of them sleep on beds from Nest Betting. Yeah, it's, it's a very good percentage, I think. Ricky Henderson sleeps on beds from? Nest Betting. Are you? You should. Nestbedding.com. Uh, I am going to go to a high school football game to watch my kids cheer. I will be back in the postgame show taking your phone calls at 833-625-2278. You can call that number right now. Say hello to Robert. I'm sure he's there. Oh, he's there. And Jessica Kleinschmidt will be doing the... A's Total Access pregame show brought to you by Chevron for me. Are we going to close this out with the great Mark Kotze? Bob Melvin will be the guest on A's Total Access from us. Okay. It was Tony Gwynn Jr., but sorry, Tony, you got bumped for for Bob Melvin. Tony (laughs) Tony Gwynn's got to be tomorrow. Okay, yeah. You know what we should do tomorrow? A mixture of uh, Tony. Somehow get Tony and David Forrest in. Yeah, that was my plan. I'll send David Forrest too. Okay. We'll be good. All right. Are we going to Kotze now? Yeah, we'll go to Kotze. Here is the skipper of your Oakland Athletics for his weekly conversation. For the Mark Kotze Show brought to you by Ness Bedding. Love where you sleep. Check out their location in the Bay Area or you go online, nessbedding.com for your mattress, your pillows, your sheets, you name it. Sponsor of the Mark Kotze Show. Back home to end it, 10 straight games. How do you feel about the homestand coming up? No, you know, it's a, it's a great way to finish up, I think. I mean, obviously, we go out on the road after this, but uh, a nice, long, extended homestand. Uh, you know, three good baseball teams coming in here tonight with San Diego and then Detroit, and then we'll finish up with Seattle, which Seattle series uh, could have implication for a playoff, um, you know, playoff team that uh, is going to be coming in here pretty aggressive probably. I think about the old Texas two-step, what you did down against the Rangers and the Astros, I think you got to come away pretty happy with your ball club, a chance to take two out of three in Texas. You did take two out of three in Houston. Talk to us about that and just the growth of your team. Well, I think, you know, from the onset, when we when we started talking about getting better and, and maturing these guys, these young players, um, you know, the goal was to improve in all facets. And I think the biggest growth has been on the mound, really, and our pitching. Um, our pitching has done a remarkable job over the last – probably six weeks of uh, eliminating the free bases, uh, reducing the big innings, and, uh, and really just showing signs of, of maturity on the mound. But uh, that Texas road trip, uh, you know, we talked about it. We, uh, we wanted to, to go in and be competitive against two teams that had really um, beat us up all year. And, and I think, uh, you know, I think we accomplished that. The, the three and three, you know, record was an indication of, of us having some success, but also 
um, for the most part, you know, every game we had an opportunity to, to win and, uh, or to at least uh, have a chance to come back uh, and, and, you know, make it competitive at the end. You know, I think about one of your strengths is relationship, relationship building. You've done a great job of that. I think about it as a player with your teammates, as now a guy that's been in the game a long time, and we were just over our right shoulder was Bob Melvin, who we're going to talk to this homestand. And, you know, the relationships you built in this game, obviously with Melvin, you were around him for years, worked for him. That's a strong relationship for you. Yeah, it really is. It's going to be a little weird, um, to be honest, just uh, seeing him on the other side. And uh, I think this is his first time back in this stadium. So, um, you know, we got something special planned for Bob. He doesn't know it, but uh, definitely well deserving. And, yeah. <clears throat> you know, it'll be fun. It'll be a fun uh, time to, to see <clears throat> and to manage against him uh, across the dugout. What, what was, what's the one thing you think you learned most from him? Yeah, I think the relationship side, I watched Bob deal with that group of players from 16 on and, uh, and build the relationships with the Matt Olson, the Matt Chapman, the Marcus Simeon and watched how far that went. And, you know, you know, Bob is a mastermind of, of not just, you know, the relationship side, but the game and managing the game and watching the detail to it that he puts into it. And it's funny, he stopped in the office uh, uh, this afternoon and wanted to know why we bunt so much and why we're running so much. So you're um, not allowed to do that as the A's. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a great conversation about that. It was fun. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think about, you know, we can just look at numbers right now. Your starting staff is throwing the ball a lot better. Your pitching staff, uh, obviously the young players are growing. Can't say enough about what your coaches have done. Your coaches have busted their rear end. We don't give them enough credit because when you're losing, you know, it's just, it's tough, but your coaches have worked so hard and we're really starting to see all of their effort pay dividends right now. Yeah, no, I appreciate you bringing that up. That, that means a lot. The staff, uh, they don't get any credit. They, they work really hard. We get here at, you know, at 10 30, 11 o'clock in the morning and we, you know, talk about the guys. We talk about areas that we want to work on or we want to address with the individual players. And, you know, you'll see them out here working one on one. If, um, you know, if you're out here early enough, Eric Martins has done a tremendous job with, let's just take a guy like Jordan Diaz. Jordan Diaz, you know, not real comfortable at third base in the minor leagues. He's been here. He's done a great job since we started putting him over there. And, you know, I think every, Every coach to a man, you know, the message was, hey, we got to continue to coach. we got to continue to stay positive with these players, and I think we've done that. You know, one question that I get a lot in the post game is about Ruiz and the direction for him because since the injury, he hasn't played as much, hasn't let off as much. Why has he not played as much, and what, what do you think the plan is, and what does he really need to get better at? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. I think, you know, we looked at the performance – um, since he's been back and, and, you know, he's struggled a little bit, uh, offensively. Um, he's had some games, um, you know, where, where he's shown flashes and we've worked hard on making a swing adjustment with him. It hasn't completely translated. And you could take an example, like a Shea Langliers. We've worked hard for about a two month period with Shea, trying to make that swing adjustment, trying to get him more direct into the zone. And, and now you're seeing the results with Shea. No doubt. So I think that's kind of the mindset with, with uh, Ruiz was to, to try to, you know, any player that doesn't have success is going to lose that confidence. And so we've tried to maintain that balance with, with Esty, um, giving him enough opportunity. He's been playing. Obviously, you've seen the platoon kind of happen with, with Esty and, and with, uh, with Lawrence Butler, um, both young players. I mean, we, we have examples that we, we look at. You, know, you go back to the Matt Olson who came here in 16. He only played 11 games. He was up the whole month of September, you know, and that team wasn't a winning ball club. 
So trying to get these guys exposed, getting them enough opportunity and getting them the right amount of, uh, you know, at bats and experience against the right on right or the left on left to be able to grow and to, and to help them in their maturation process. There's only been three Oakland A's catchers to hit 20 home runs in a season. Langoliers is going to hit his 20th and who knows how many more. We see how well he throws the ball. We've talked about it's almost unfair how many pitchers he's had to deal with this year, and that affects your game. But just, you know, as you said, from an offensive standpoint, just the fourth catcher to do that and the way he's hitting, that's really impressive. What does that mean for you in the in the future behind the dish? Yeah, you know, we've talked about Shea a lot, and we talked about how difficult it was going to be this season and brought it up in spring training that he'd only caught a limited amount of games and the responsibilities of a catcher are first and foremost. And you know what, I, I love the way that Shea's taken grasp of that. He's, he's taken the leadership of that and said, hey, I'm gonna invest in my guys. I'm gonna make sure that on that end of it, I you know I grow with them, I learn how to call games, I, I, I build relationships with them. And my offense might not be there right away, but now you're seeing the results of the offense kind of catching up. And I think for, for him, um, as we talked about, I made the comparison with Sean Murphy. If you look at Sean's first full season in 21, the numbers pretty much align. Sean may have had a little higher batting average, um, but now, he's got more pop. Now Shea's got, yeah, yeah. Shea's got a little more pop. So, you know, Shea hit all through the minor leagues. Um, and sometimes when you get here, as we've seen, those challenges can be a little bit more difficult at the major league level. We're, we're witnessing it with uh, Tyler Soderstrom, uh, who's going through those challenges, has had success all through the minor leagues as well. What about J.J. Bladé today? Uh, of course, we're recording this on Friday before the Padres series. J.J. Bladé, great to see. Had the knee injury out there hitting. What are the expectations? Not a lot of games left. I know I'd love to see him again. Yeah, no, the goal is to get him back and to, to finish the season here with us. Um, you know, that being said, he's still got progressions to make. Today was his first live batting practice off another uh, – IL member in, in uh, Austin Pruitt. So, um, you know, we're, we're graduating him along. Um, we don't want to obviously rush the process, but we want JJ to be completely confident he's ready and he'll go out and test it and then hopefully rejoin us. You were a gamer back in the day. There's no question about that. But do you remember your first full season, what that was like when you got to the very end? Because that was with you're coming off winning the World Series with the Marlins. Now it's a total rebuild. So you know it's like going through a rebuild and going through a full season. Yeah, it's a grind. It is. And that full season, I can vividly remember in August of my rookie season, um, you know, our manager at the time was Jim Leland. Jim saw me in early in Houston. It was a four-game series, and he actually had me go into the uh, training room and, and and take my weight because I had lost about 20 pounds. and. I was in a wow. funk and that funk wasn't necessarily because of my swing. It was more because I was just so worn out and it's a long season. These guys are going through it and they're going to get this experience this year and hopefully only get, you know, build on this experience uh, for the years to come. Did he think about taking you out to the track and uh, fatten you up with a couple meals? Because you guys were betting the ponies there in Miami. Yeah, called a racetrack, right? And uh that was that was the pregame lunch meal. They, they didn't provide lunch in the clubhouse like we do now. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's amazing how much the game has changed. Well, uh, let's just end on this. You know, for you, how are you doing right now? Towards the end of the season, how's everything? Because I mean, yeah. we talk so much about everybody else, we never really talk a lot about you. No, you've asked me that question. I think it was a couple shows ago, and and at that time, you know, we uh, we were on probably a bad stretch, and uh, you know, again. It, it's been challenging. 
um, you know, we do see some progress and that's, that's what's, you know, keeping us going and in the right direction. Um, you know, these young players have come here. We've been way more competitive over the last six weeks. Um, you know, and it's not necessarily all wins and losses. It's, it's in how we've played the game and it's, yes. you know, every, every category has improved. Your defense has been way better. The too. defense has been very, very, um, very, very good over the last couple of weeks. We've turned more double plays on this last road trip. Um, and it's starting to show that that work that they're putting in every day is, is starting to show, which is great. Well, I got to tell you, it's been a lot of fun so far this season. We got a couple more, but the last homestand, 10 games. So uh, I look forward to it and good luck to your ball club. Uh, thanks. Appreciate it. That is the Mark Kotze show brought to you by Ness Betting. Love where you sleep. Check out their location in the Bay Area or you go to nestbetting.com for your bed and all your betting needs. Mark Kotze show. And that was Tony with A's manager Mark Kotze. That's going to do it for A's Cast Live. We want to thank Bob Melvin, Trevor May, Mark Kotze, and A's general manager David Force for stopping by here on a Friday edition of A's Cast Live in the Treehouse. Coming up next, Jessica Kleinschmidt standing by for A's Total Access, brought to you by Chevron. We will return on Monday for A's Cast Live ahead of the series against the Seattle Mariners. Everyone have a great weekend. Enjoy the game tonight, and we'll talk to you on Monday at 4 o'clock right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You've got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you'll likely catch me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.